the Karibuni. If you're just joining us now, well, even if you joined us early, I uh, haven't been up here. I'm Edgar King, I'm the lead pastor, and it's such an honor uh, to, to be serving you. Um, yeah, I just love the faces I'm seeing. Uh, <clears throat> so I want us to, uh, is, I want to invite all of us to stand for the, uh, for the reading of scripture together. So please stand. And let's read this together. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or a woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks. So, last weekend was Pentecost and... Um, uh, what happens after Pentecost is, is you have the church, a new creation, a new people, and this is a group of people who are like Jesus. They're full of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. And what do they do? They go around healing the sick. They go around raising the dead. They go around prophesying and giving words of knowledge. It's such a cool thing. If you read the book of Acts, it's so cool, right? It's a... Um, uh, uh, for some of them, their, their handkerchiefs are used to, to heal the sick. For others, their shadows fall on the sick and they get well. The book of Acts reads like, um, like a Superman movie, right? It, no one wants to admit that. It reads like a Superman movie, only that it's not a work of fiction and it is uh, the lives of ordinary people doing extraordinary things as they partner with the Holy Spirit. You know, they're ordinary people, so you see them sin, you see them suffer. Many of them went to prison. Actually, some of them die. You know, uh, uh, James was killed right before Peter was arrested. And so even when they were praying for Peter, um, they really weren't sure he would be set free. That's why if you read the book of Acts and Peter is set free, when he knocks at the door, one of them thinks it's his ghost. That's how much, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a story of ordinary people, the story of human beings. They have disagreements. Uh, they make mistakes along the way. But they're full of the Holy Spirit and they're doing the things Jesus did. And guess what? They didn't have a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. You guys are lucky. Oh man, no, no. They didn't have a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We will. They didn't have a sermon series on healing. We will. Okay. 
I'm not leaving anything to chance. But the point I'm trying to make is that these were people who just, who just lived out the way of Jesus. You know, they would pray, they would lay their hands on people and say, receive the Holy Spirit. Without even a complete Bible. We have a complete Bible. They didn't have it. We're reading the story of their lives as they uh, pursued this and, and lived it out. That's what we're reading. They didn't have a Bible, a complete Bible to read. They just went in obedience. You know, when, when, when they would remember that Jesus said, lay your hands on the sick and they would get well, they just went and laid their hands on the sick. You know? Uh, and so before, before we... Um, and even before we, we go into today's talk, I just want us to, to realize one of the differences between the early church. So many people go, oh, we want our church to be an Acts 2 kind of church. We want our church to be the kind of church we see in the book of Acts. And one of the big differences between the early church and now, uh, my friend, I think you're, you're using my, my personal journal. That's, that's my personal, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that journal has a lot of weird things in there. The things I tell God, I don't want anyone seeing. Yeah. Sorry, let's go back to the sermon. Uh, sorry. They, uh, you know, so one of the big differences between the, uh, the church in the book of Acts and the church today is one, uh, they, they just went out and did the word of God. We are a people who like talking about the Word of God, talking about God, and then we go home and say, okay, now let's switch on Stranger, Ch uh, Stranger Things on Netflix. There are people who, 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 when they talked about the Word of God, they went and did the Word of God. We are a people who know so much about God's Word and do very little of God's Word. We are, you know, I think the reason, as I've often said, the reason we are people without power is because we, we prefer debate. We prefer talking about God's word instead of doing God's word. These, these people in the early church just went out and did God's word. But wait a minute. Haven't I been saying that the Holy Spirit is a person to be in a relationship with and not a power to be harnessed? So why am I even talking about, oh, they just went out in power, they, they were full of power. Here's the thing, the Holy Spirit is the un, uh, unembodied presence of God. And where the presence of God is, His power is also. Where God is, so is His power. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the power of God and we receive the authority of God. We can do, we then get to do uh, the things we do in the power and the authority of God. This is what's happening with the early church. They've received the Holy Spirit, and now they're moving in the power and the authority of God. They're healing the sick, not, not because they have any authority of their own, but because God is with them. Um, a few years back, the 44th president of the US uh, came to Kenya, right before his retirement. And his landing pad for, for his choppers was the, was the college I was in. And let me tell you, we could feel the power of the US government. There were snipers all over with real guns, and I'm gonna guess they had real bullets too. No one tried, but you know, just guessing. Um, and we, 
access to our own school. We, I, lived, I lived in college, I think so. I lived, I lived in the campus at that time. And access to our own living spaces was controlled because this guy was around. We were feeling the, the entire weight, maybe not the entire weight, but we were feeling the weight of the US government. Our phones were being jammed. I tried to send a very important text, maybe that's why I'm single today, but our phones are being jammed, right? No, let's focus, people. Let's, let's focus on what God is doing. Um, yeah, you know, and we were allowed to gather around, and you know, you see all these people with shady sunglasses, or shade, I don't know, and, and, and you know, there was a distance, there was a distance to which we could come close to some of that stuff. And when the beast, when his, his presidential car would pass near you, you could feel the earth beneath you shake. His presence came with the power of the U.S. government. It's the same thing. Uh, where God is present, the power of God is also present. Where God is present, the power of God is also present to heal the sick, to restore, to forgive, to set free. The difference between these two powers is that the power of that presence came with a lot of restriction, but the power of our God comes with freedom. Right? So... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble. I feel a bit weak, so I'm struggling to know where I am. Anyway, yeah, I remember now. So that, that, that's why for most of this week, we've been talking about all of us can receive the Holy Spirit and all of us can prophesy. Because God is, when God is present, He gives His power. When God is present, we can speak in His authority, which sometimes is called uh, prophecy. Next week, we'll be talking about praying for the sick. Why do we talk about such things? Because when the power of God, when the presence of God is in the room, so is his power to set free, to heal, to restore. I think next week, the, the week after that, we'll be talking about casting out evil spirits. What a fun topic. Why can we talk about that? Because when the presence of God is in the room, so is his power. I have no idea what this is. <clears throat> Breaks for what really matters. I have no idea what that is. Oh, good. I remember now. Sorry. Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll get through this. So, uh, my notes say something I don't understand. Like, wait, who wrote this? That's the thing. I need an interpreter. Okay. So, today, what we'll do is take a break from all that. And just talk about what really, really matters. Or take a break from all that. We've been talking about heavy things, the prophetic, our words of knowledge. We, we're soon talking about healing and casting out evil spirits. But I just want us to take a break from all that and talk about what really, really matters. The reason so many people uh, often think that the Holy Spirit is a power to harness and not a person to be in relationship with is because they miss this important point, critical point that I want us to, to talk about today. The reason so many people misuse the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we know about that well in our country, right? Some even fake the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They fake power of God to manipulate others, to gain money, to gain position. The reason people do such things is because we often miss the most crucial point of all this, and that's, why, uh, that's what we'll be talking about. Here's the thing. It's all for love. Because God is love. 
It's all for love because God is love. We are being invited to become love. And true power serves love and not the other way around. True power serves love and not the other way around. And if you're sitting next to someone who claims to love you, just tell them that. No? No one said, yes, I can see a few. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for the rest of us. Wow, no one's sitting next to anyone who claims to love them. Lord, we pray for this church. Maybe the problem is me. So, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' followers, um, uh, uh, writes some of his letters much later. He's an older person. He writes uh, between 60 to 90 years after the death of Jesus. He's an older person. He's lived through this. He's now in um, exile. He's, he's had time to reflect and reflect about his time with Jesus. He's had time to reflect and, and reflect about what it looked like to, to follow Jesus. And so he starts, uh, uh, he, he's, he starts to write. And he writes very different. He's one of the last apostles to write. And he writes very different from the other apostles who, who had written. He starts one of his letters, actually two of his letters, he starts describing Jesus the same way we've been describing Jesus, as the one man who was full of the Holy Spirit, as the one man who was full of the presence of God, right? And after all this, here is the conclusion John makes in John 1, 4, 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love, uh, whoever lives in love lives in God and God is in them. You know, if, if, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit being God in us. This is how John describes it. God is love and whoever has God in them is the person living in love. You know, if someone met me today, they would, um, they would have some ways of describing me. They'd probably say, um, he teaches or he's a pastor. They would probably describe me by the things I do. We often do that. That's probably why the first question people ask each other when they meet is, what do you do? It's, 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 it's not necessarily a good thing because we are more than what we do. But that's often how we, how we function. But, but John, after being with Jesus, after serving the Lord, Years into his, his old age, he doesn't describe God as, oh, the miracle worker. Yet God works miracles every day. He doesn't describe God as, oh, God is knowledge. Yet God knows all things. He doesn't describe God as any other thing we see Jesus do. He looks back at the life of Jesus. He looks back at him being filled with the Holy Spirit and says, you know what? God is love. It's all for love, because God is love. This is what it's about. Power, true power serves love, not the other way around. This is what John realized. After seeing Jesus perform miracles, after seeing Jesus raise the dead, after seeing Jesus heal the sick, John realized that this is what it's about. It's about, it's all for love, because God is love. We are filled with the Holy Spirit not to build a name for ourselves. We've seen it happen. That's never the point. 
Oh, behold, Apostle so-and-so, the mighty man of God, is coming to town. He's the most filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not what it's about. And it's so sad to see people build a name and positions for themselves because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit not even to fill this church. It'll be good. Oh, if you go to that church, people fall left, right, and center. Oh, if you go to that church, people get healed. Oh, if you go to that church, that's not the point. Not at all. It's not about the things you put on social media. It's like, wow, if you, if you see Alan's posts on social media, there's no denying he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's been a while since I teased Alan from stage, so okay. <laughs> right? It's not about us putting pictures of, of a great worship night where the prophetic, uh, we moved in the prophetic and the words of knowledge and you can see people in tears. It's not about that. It's always been about one thing. We're being invited to become like the Father and the Father is love. It's all for love because God is love. True power serves love and not the other way around. If you see it any other way around, then it's not the Holy Spirit. Another apostle comes to the same conclusion. You know, this guy has, you know, he receives the Holy Spirit after he gives his life to Jesus. He's used powerfully and mightily by God. You know, people would take his handkerchiefs, put them on the sick, and they would get well. I would want some of that but I actually don't own any handkerchiefs. That's part of the problem. But isn't that cool? Like God is just using this person like that. You know, and he thinks it is so important that people uh, receive the Holy Spirit and, are, and, and function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One day he was preaching uh, at a church and he stopped in the middle of his teaching and went, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit? And they were like, wait, we didn't even know that there's such a thing. And he said, no, conference paused. You must receive the Holy Spirit. That's how important he thinks it is. And then one day he's teaching about, he's writing a letter to a church about the Holy Spirit and, well, about other things. And he comes to the middle of the letter and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. For him, it is so important that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and equally important that we function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Check out one other thing he says in 1 Corinthians 13. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking of tongues. Like he's going to listen, people. We should all prophesy. Ask the Lord to pour out prophecy. Ask the Lord to pour out tongues. Like, oh Lord, pour out tongues more and more in this church. So for him, it is very important that we function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. From tongues to interpretation, to the gifts of healing, uh, to the gifts of miracle and the gifts of prophecy. He gets excited about this stuff. It's a big deal for him. Then, as he finishes that part of that letter, this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 13 again, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Like, wait, 
Is there something more excellent than praying for the sick and, and seeing them get well? Wait, is there something more excellent than raising the dead? Paul, come on. Is, is he just used to this stuff? Or is there something more excellent than speaking in tongues that you don't understand and someone in the crowd saying, oh, you just spoke in my mother tongue and I can hear you speak the wonders of God. Is there something more excellent than that? And this is how Paul would reply. 1 Corinthians 14. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy, but that's what we want, yes, but if I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Like what? Like what Paul has learned after being powerfully used by the Holy Spirit, what Paul has learned after being walking with Jesus, what Paul has learned is that it's all about love. We are invited to become love because God is love. What Paul has learned after seeing raw power flow through him is that true power serves love and not the other way around. That's one of the key things Paul has learned from Jesus. And so as he teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, wait, let me show you a more excellent way. So that's why we're also taking a pause today and going, listen, I know we're inviting you to prophesy. I know we'll be talking about praying the sick and casting out demons, but let us talk about a more excellent way, that it's all about love because God is love. And true power serves love. Where did he get this idea? Where did John and Paul, and even Peter says this, where do they get this idea? They get it from their Messiah, Jesus. They get it from our rabbi, the one whom we are becoming like so that we can do exactly what he did. That's who they get it from. One day Jesus was teaching and um, he, he gave a story of, of the day of judgment. And he said there will be two, uh, two groups of people. One group will come and say, Lord, did you see everything we did? This is the Edgar Revised version, okay? So don't go, well, it didn't say that. I know you Lord, did you see everything we did? We healed the sick, we cast out demons, we raised the dead in your name. And Jesus would say to them, I actually don't know you. It's like, wait. Essentially what they're saying is, Lord, we had power and we used power in your name. Look at what we did. Everybody in town knows our name. If they ask who's the healer in town, they say my name. And Jesus goes, I, I, I don't know you. Then there will be another group of people that Jesus will embrace and say, come into the rest of my father because one day I was sick and you took care of me. One day I was hungry and you fed me. One day I was in prison and you visited me. It's like, what? Did we? It's like, yes. Because every time you moved towards the least of these, every time you moved towards people to serve them, you moved towards me. 
Every time you moved towards people to serve them, you loved me. Every time you moved towards people to serve them, you were becoming like me. One would think that the other group that had power would have more praise. And Jesus is going, actually, I don't know you. Because true love, sorry, true power serves love. And this is how love is demonstrated. We move towards people and we serve them. We move towards people and we serve them. And because Paul remembers this, because he had sat with the apostles, these stories were all over the place. This is how he expounds the teaching of Jesus on love. And he remembers Jesus saying, a new commandment I give you, love one another. So Paul expounds on this. When he says, let me show you a more excellent way, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. Sorry, 13. Thank you, Lydia. I, you, no, just uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. You know, Paul is saying that love is more than a sentiment. It requires action. You know, Jesus commands us to love one another. You cannot command feelings. Have you ever tried that? You cannot command feelings. But but you can command action. So Jesus is calling us to action. Here's the thing. We have misused the word love. You know, we love our spouses and our dates, and we also love a show on Netflix. Oh, I love This Is Us. I just love This Is Us. I actually cannot watch that show. It's just too emotional. It's like, you start crying four minutes into the show. It's like, why, why is anyone doing that to themselves? But if you love it, that's fine, yeah? So we say we love our spouses and we love this show. We say we love our siblings and we also love Italian ice cream. See, there we go. <laughs> you are in the right place. No, no, I mean. But to Jesus and Paul, love is more than a sentiment. You do and become love. You do and become love. And the only way you do and become love is by proximity and service. You cannot love from a distance. You've got to move towards those people. And then you have to serve them because it will challenge your hearts in ways you have, you have not yet imagined. They, uh, you know, I've heard it said that, that before two people are married, they both think they are the best thing on earth since sliced bread, and then they get married, and all these things start coming out of them. Because you cannot really love from a distance. You thought you loved each other, now you've got to love each other, right? I'm not a very patient person. I know it's surprising, but I'm not a very patient person. Sometimes I give begrudgingly. Oh, fine. Sometimes I serve begrudgingly. Even here, so I'm just like, oh, 
come on. I know God is working on my heart and one day I'll be a better pastor. But for now, Mimin Yoniko, yeah? Great. <laughs> but, but the more I move pe- towards people I love, the more I continuously serve people, God is changing me. I'm not as irritable as I was two years ago. I was very irritable. I'm not as impatient as I was in January. God is changing me. I'm still a little begrudging. I saw that on the weekend. I was serving someone. I was like, oh gosh. No gratitude. I didn't say it out loud. I was just saying it inside. I was like, this is the most ungrateful person I've ever seen. And thank goodness they're not here so they don't know. But anyway, you know, God is changing me the more because in that moment, the Holy Spirit just asked me, so are you serving or are you complaining about it? The more we move towards people and serve them, the more we become love. The more I move towards people and serve them, the more I learn that love is patient and love is kind. I don't know how to be kind until God teaches me how to be kind. And I cannot claim to be kind unless I'm put in a position to have to be kind to Alan. Okay, I think, I think two is enough for a day. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's only when I'm moving towards people and, and serving them that I learn to always honor people even when I don't want to. It's only when I move towards people to serve them is when I learn uh, that, that how to put up with, with others, even when I want to win, because sometimes I want to win. I know I'm right, but God is saying, it's, you can't put yourself first. I'm like, no, but I want to. You know, this is when I learn to be less irritable. This is how I learn to forgive fully, because sometimes I forgive, and I'm waiting for next week to bring it up and tell you, let me tell you, because last week I let it slide, <laughs> you know? Um, it's the only way I learn to always be faithful because sometimes I'm tired of being faithful. It's the only way I learn to always protect even those who haven't protected me. It's the only way I learn to always hope even when people keep letting me down over and over and over again. It's the only way I learn to always preserve. Even when in that moment I want for myself regardless. Love will cost you time, love will cost you money, love will cost you space, love will cost you privilege. And this is what it's about. It's all about love because God is love. And true power serves love. Love always has room for interruption. Every, most miracles you see Jesus do was an interruption. He was busy teaching and then some people broke into the roof like, now I have to heal this person. He's busy walking to the next conference and people say, oh, my daughter is dying. Okay, let's turn around and go. And then on the way, a woman touches him and Jesus is interrupted and Jesus heals her. Love always has room for interruption. Not very, no one likes interruptions. Let me tell you the truth. Love can't stick to a budget. Love will make you withdraw everything in your bank account for people. That's how it bankrupted heaven when Jesus came. It ba- God gave everything. There was nothing else left. He gave all he had. Love will cost you everything in that bank account. 
Love is inconvenient. It will make you leave your comfort zone. It's, it's, it's why I preached to George a few weeks ago and told him when I knock at his door in the middle of the night for bread, please open because love is inconvenient. That's exactly what it did to Jesus. Love will cost you sometimes your own life. That is exactly what it cost Jesus. And you cannot love from a distance. You cannot love without getting your hands dirty. You can claim to love, you can feel love, but you're not loving, you're not becoming love from, uh, unless you move towards people and serve them. And I think, I think we lack power. I think sometimes the church lacks power because we really don't love people. Sometimes the church is preoccupied with the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead of the children of God. Sometimes we're more preoccupied with tongues than the people God is trying to reach. True power serves love and not the other way around. If, uh, you know, if we don't love, John says, God is not in us. Yet the Holy Spirit is God in us. And where the, the presence of God is, so is his power. So if God is not in us, the power of God is not with us. Everything Jesus did was because he was moved by compassion. Try read some of his stories. He did not just stop at sentiment. He didn't just say, oh, I feel terrible for these people. He healed the sick because he was moved by compassion. He raised the dead because he had compassion on people. He cast out demons because he was compelled by compassion. We need to be a people who pray for the sick because we're compelled by compassion. We need to be a people who prophesy into people's lives because we are moved by compassion. We need to be a people who cast out evil spirits because just like Jesus, we are becoming love. Because that is what it's all about. It's all about love because God is love. And true power serves love. Now, I just want to bring this to land. There are five groups of people you're commanded to love. So we don't just say nice things and end at sentiment again. The first group of people you're commanded to love is your church family. Look at your neighbor. I know we don't do this in this church, yeah. Today we will. Look at your neighbor. Now look at your second choice neighbor. Yeah. Let them know they were your second choice. <laughs> Are people actually telling each other you're my second choice? Lord, we need the gift of discernment. Now look across the room to those people, the people you don't sit with. They're not like you. Those are your brothers and sisters. And you're commanded to love them. You're commanded to, to love your brothers and sisters. This is, Jesus said, this is the true mark of discipleship. They will know that you're my disciples, not because five people were healed every time you gathered, but because you loved one another. 
Here is what God is inviting you to. Move towards your church family and serve them. Move towards your church family and serve them. I'm not even saying come up on stage. We keep making this mistake that, that, that it's about serving a church. We only spend Trinity, we, we spend such a short time on Sunday morning. It's like when it's very long, we've gone for two hours and that's like super long. I can just see George going, seriously, we're done here, you know? We spend such a short time. So where, where's the rest of our time? Out there. That's why we need to be loving people. Move towards your church family, love and serve them. The second group of people you're called to love is, our, is your enemy. Uh, I love the show Sherlock Holmes, the BBC one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Anyway, um, and he has an arch enemy. So one, uh, when he met his friend, who's, who's his sidekick? I forget, John Watson. Do people know the, okay. So he meets, John Watson meets him and goes, people have arch enemies? Like what kind of human being are you? And you know, we like pretending oh, I don't have enemies, but our heart says something else. That person, ah, yeah, 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 Mama Nani. I'm talking about people who are openly against you or secretly, <laughs> either way. People who are against you or even people who persecute you. You know they go behind your back. You know they pull the rag from beneath you. They just don't like you. Guess what God is asking you to do? Move towards them and serve them. The third group is the stranger. We call them strangers because they are strange to us. We don't quite get them. You know, they're not like you. Their politics is weird. They keep supporting Raila. What is wrong with these people? Like, he's been running five times. What is wrong with such people? Or they keep supporting Ruto. It's like, he's been in government. What is he gonna do? Their politics is all wrong. Their life choices are all wrong. You know where they go, you know what they eat, you know who they eat with, you know who they sleep. Their life choices are all wrong. They're strange to you. Their tribe is all wrong. Their sexual orientation is all wrong. What is God asking you to do? Move towards them and serve them. Become love. The fourth group of people is the least of these. The poor, the orphan, the immigrant, the homeless, the unborn. Anyone whom you have more power than, anyone who has less power than you, anyone whose voice wouldn't be heard more than yours. Anyone who's not as wealthy as you. Everybody loves to think they're poor. And it's true, poverty is real. Yet in a lot of circumstances, we have a little bit more than someone else. Anyone who's the least of this, what is God asking you to do? Move towards them and serve them. Become love. And the fifth group of people that you're invited to love is the lost. Those who do not yet know Jesus. 
Some of us move away from the lost. Oh, I don't like, I don't like sitting with, with, with that person. They, they really don't know Jesus. Our values are different. Jesus kept sitting with actually everyone who didn't know him. These are the people you're called to move towards and serve and become love. We spend only two hours on Sunday morning and then we're sent out there every Sunday or every Wednesday, every time we gather. And God is charging us to then go into the streets and look for our church family, look for our enemy, look for the stranger, look for the least of these, look for the lost and move towards them. And so this is exactly what Jesus did. That when we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. That when we were still enemies of God, he moved towards us to serve us. And you cannot love without proximity. I like that we like praying for the lost. That's important, but you've got to move towards them. I like that we like praying for the sick. That's important. We've got to move towards them and serve them. I want to call the band back on stage as we finish. Now, one of the best breakers of barriers, because I'm talking about proximity, but often there are prox uh, barriers to proximity. I often point out to the city we live in and, and people of the same uh, wealth class gravitate towards the same area. You, it's, it's easy to live in Milimani and never meet a poor person, except if they're outside of your gate asking for work. It's easy to be siloed into our small groups. Facebook doesn't help much, because on Facebook we only hear the same voices we keep feeding into it, an echo chamber. One of the ways to break barriers and create proximity and therefore have an opportunity to love one another is eating together. Do you realize in the book of Luke, and some of you might not know this, Jesus is always coming from a party or going to one. He used the table as a, as a place of inclusion. Not that. He used the table as a place of inclusion. Open your table today for your church family, your enemy, the stranger, the least of these, and the lost. Eat with someone. You want to see the Holy Spirit move? You want to see God move in His power around you? You want to see, uh, um, you want to see uh, uh, the sick made well around you? Eat with people. That's when you get great opportunities to lay your hands on the sick. That's when you get great opportunities as you have conversation to prophesy. Why don't we stand? Lord, we invite more of you.